Thanks, Kevin. I, I'm not sure I need to preach because everything you said as you were leading up is what I planned in my sermon. So somehow I think the Lord's got us together today. It's lovely to be back at, at Kingsgate. The last time I was preaching here, I quoted Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. At that time, Rita, my wife, was in hospital on death's doorstep. I'm pleased to say and praise the Lord that Rita is with us today. You said it earlier, but I really praise the Lord for that. But I'm even more pleased and praise the Lord even more because on Thursday I was able to take Rita to Marandero to meet and to hold our new grandson. Tracy gave birth on, on Wednesday to Othniel McRae Commons. Othniel, we're still trying to learn how to pronounce it. <laughs> Um, but it's Son of God. So we're so, just so grateful. We didn't know that Rita would make it to see her grandson, and you can see how well she is today. So God is so faithful. So before I start, let's just pray. Oh Lord, thank you for laying this word on my heart today. May I be able to deliver it in the way that you desire. And may it be received exactly with the message that you have laid for today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Kevin, you started with the Tiger Tournament. I hope you enjoyed the boat. And uh, it, it made me... The opening here is we, we are surrounded by a passion for greed and corruption. Well, in the past, Tiger Tournament has been for some guys and not for others. <laughs> so we're surrounded with greed and corruption. And to achieve this, every one of the Ten Commandments has been broken in one way or another. And like this morning the doctor wanted to come and change a dressing. But why do we have to do it on the Sabbath? Why can't it be done tomorrow? I seem to remember when I was growing up that the shops were closed. On Saturday at one o'clock they closed and didn't open until Monday. Why do we have to have the shops open every day today and why do we even go shopping? Then, what about adultery? We break that commandment. How many times do we read about or hear about partners or premarital sex? Things like that. And then we pay our rates and our taxes, yet we come to church through the potholes. Why? 
Why are we living in a, in a world like this? So I've just given a couple of examples of things that are going wrong. And I'd like you to just take a moment to think of three issues in your own lives that you come across day to day that really they're breaking, you can see the commandments being broken and what can you do about it to make things change, to make a difference? I'm sort of going to call this a mad day because it's going to be make a difference day. I'll start, start our story off. I'm going to give you three, three examples. But I'm going to start our story off with Noah at the time of the flood. We read in Genesis how the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every in inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. As you reflect on those, those things I've asked you to start thinking about, are they filling God's heart with pain? So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. The Lord was angry, and he took out his wrath on the world with a mighty flood. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. How many righteous people with Noah's stature are living today? Noah had three sons. It was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Cush was the son of Ham, and he was the father of Nimrod. Three generations. And from that land, Nimrod went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh. Now let's move our focus to the second area. It's a fishing story on the book of Jonah. We all remember the story from school, Sunday school, the books we read. Briefly, the Lord asked Jonah to go out, go and sort out Nineveh. Jonah boards the ship, headed in exactly the opposite direction, headed for Tarshish. In the process, the ship encounters a storm. After being thrown overboard, Jonah has a whale of a time in the belly of a fish for three days. Inside the fish, he prays to God and having changed his heart, is vomited up onto dry land. This time, he listens to the Lord and goes to Nineveh. Then the king decrees that the whole nation should change their ways to follow Jonah's God. 
How awesome is that? I'm not going to go through reading all four chapters, otherwise we're never going to get home today. But I'm going to pick on some of the highlights. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh's sins included plotting evil against the Lord, cruelty and plundering in war, prostitution and witchcraft and commercial exploitation. Nineveh was an ancient Assyrian city of Upper Mesopotamia, located on the outskirts of Mosul, in what today is known as northern Iraq. It is located on the eastern bank of the Tigris, the Tigris River, and was the capital and largest city of the Assyrian Empire, as well as the largest city in the world for several decades. But today, Nineveh is in ruin. Back to the scripture. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 10, it notes that King Solomon had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with the fleet of his ally King Hiram of Tyre. And that once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come, bringing gold, silver, ivory, baboons, and peacocks. Not, nobody's quite clear on where Tarshish is, but there's speculation that it was in Spain or in England. Whichever is correct. It was in totally the opposite direction of what God had commanded Jonah to do. So what happens to us when we go in the wrong direction? The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. When we choose not to listen to the Lord, don't we end up in a storm? Isn't life like that? Consider those issues you are reflecting on once more for your mad day. What are the consequences? Are there storms? In verse 5, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. They didn't necessarily know Jonah's God. But the captain went to Jonah and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. You see, falling asleep is not a solution. Instead, calling on our God to save us does create a solution. 
When questioned, Jonah started to identify himself. He said, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and land. Even Jesus in Matthew refers to Jonah as being a prophet. So in verse 10, he said, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He was starting to repent. It appears that Jonah was so overwhelmed that he was even prepared to commit suicide rather than turn his ways to the Lord. Verse 12. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. So even the help from friends, colleagues and counsellors didn't help. In fact, it made the storm greater as he continued to go in the wrong direction. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Despite all that we read in children's books, I cannot see where scripture claims that the great fish was a whale. The truth is the largest fish that is known is a whale shark. But also lesser fish are quite capable of having swallowed a man. Think about it. If you were placed in solitary confinement for three days and three nights, would you come up with a solution to your three issues? Jonah, in chapter 2, we told how he started and prayed. I'm going to read his prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down the earth beneath. Barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose up to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have found. I will make good salvation 
I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it had vomited Jonah up Jonah onto dry land. This fascinating how desperate we have to become before we will turn to the Lord in prayer. He's a gracious God who provides solutions in the most unexpected ways. We know that Jonah was vomited up onto dry land. But Scripture doesn't tell us where was the great fish when it vomited. Being a great fish, was it in shallow water? I don't think that's likely. More likely, the great fish would have been in deep water, some distance away. I guess, that is the, if that is the case, Jonah would have read, arrived on the shore like a vomit comet. But things change now with Jonah in chapter 3. And he goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. When the news reached the king, he rose from his throne and then he issued a proclamation to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Is it time for us to call urgently on God to fix those situations that surround us? Jonah started to obey the Lord. The consequence soon became a decree for the nation to change their ways and follow Jonah's God. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. We too could see this happen in this nation and in the world around us if we turn to God and just believe. Our leaders have already decreed that we follow farming God's way. Through the implementation of the Fembudza program, and we already, as a nation, are experiencing the positive returns as a result of it. But I'm now going to turn to the third example in Matthew 12, 
where Jesus explained the sign of Jonah. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and no one greater than Jonah is here. So God provided a clean sheet for Noah and his family. Yet, in just three generations, they'd returned to their old ways. God used Jonah and the king to give Nineveh a fresh start. Yet, today Nineveh is in ruin. Jesus was crucified on the cross, giving every one of us who believes the opportunity of a life of eternity with him. Sadly, we are surrounded by disobedience and unbelief. Can you turn to God's ways by just taking a step in your life to deal with those three specific issues that you identified for your mad day earlier. Maybe by you setting the example, you too can convince the king to change his heart and decree that the whole nation follows God's way. Your first step could just be to pray wholeheartedly. Number two, don't join the crowd. Instead, stand firm for righteousness. And thirdly, with your examples and practically, could you teach others to follow God's way? A future without God, as we see the end times coming and the tribulation, that time will be horrific. But if you believe, God has already set a place aside for you. So please, take your first steps to sort out your, your issues that you've identified in your own minds and leave the rest to God to help you overcome them. Let us close. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help each one of us to hear your thoughts and to understand them and to see what you're showing us and make your thoughts ours so that we can go out and take a step forward as we enter, as we leave these doors and enter the world around us that we can make a difference, but make a difference for you in all that we say and do.
Amen.